Welcome to The Socialscape, the only podcast in the galaxy bringing you exclusive social media insights from personal brands and businesses to feed you that behind-the-scenes information that you can't find anywhere else. I'm your host, Alex Legos. Let's get into it. Today's guest is Kelly Shogren. Kelly is the owner-operator of Make Wave Social, a social media agency serving clients in beauty, cannabis, CPG, fitness, hospitality, and way more industries. They are all over the place, and they are international. Uh, in this episode, Kelly and I discuss a lot of topics. But some of the notable ones include how Kelly got into social media marketing. We got her take on the dark side of social media, including things like automation and uh, engagement groups, which a lot of people are shy to talk about. So I appreciated her opening up about some of those things. Um, We went over the importance of hashtag strategy. We really got in depth on that. I think that's going to be an awesome thing for some people who are interested in it. And uh, then we dug into data privacy rights as brought up in the Netflix documentary, which came out recently, The Great Hack. Uh, This is an awesome episode for anybody who cares about the inner workings of social media because Kelly's awesome, and uh, she brought some awesome conversation to the table. So uh, get into it. Enjoy. Kelly Shogren, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. I want to just run through some bio stuff with you um, just to kind of let the people know who you are, what you do, and then then I'd love to talk some more current event stuff. Uh, I know we both... We're able to consume the great hack on Netflix recently, uh, and so I'd love to get your your take on a lot of that stuff with the data privacy issues and everything. But um, first off, where are you from? I am originally from Chicago suburbs, and then I took my adult life over to Los Angeles, uh, where I went to college at Loyola Marymount University. And from Los Angeles, I moved to Central America. And I currently live here. I split my time between Mexico and Panama. That's gorgeous. What brought you down there? I had just finished my first role at a digital agency in Los Angeles. Um, Kind of had ran its course type thing. And I was looking to just get out of L.A. at that point. I'd been there about six and a half years and was ready for a change. And my uncle owns his own hotel in Panama And he just like happened to Facebook message me right at the time I was looking for jobs and was like, Hey, I need a manager for high season. Do you know anyone? And I was like, wait, maybe I want to do it. (laughs) And so I ended up going to work for him and it was supposed to just be like a three month little gig. And then I was going to come back to the U S and get back into my job hunt. Uh, but I met my now husband and so (laughs) that's how it works. (laughs) Uh, yep. And so my whole life digressed and then, uh, I realized that I wanted to make living here with him a reality and to do that was through a remote job. Yeah. So I ended up working for a digital agency out of New York um, and they allowed all remote work. Sweet. So I did that for about two years before founding Make Waves. Did you have to go out there for interview process or anything like that or was everything just remote? Yeah, no, my whole interview process was done remotely. Um, however, at the time I did after Panama, I did come back to the States for about four months um, while I was like looking for remote jobs. And then I like stayed with my parents. And then I got this one. Um, so I was out of Chicago during that time, but they never brought me in person for an interview. I met them all the first time in person at like a big company meetup about four months into working there. Oh, wow. Very cool. So how? So yeah. actually, you have a really cool perspective then, because a lot of people who do social media marketing stuff uh, kind of jumped into it, were self-taught, did it on their own from day one, 
you sound like you have some background in a more corporate environment. How did that, how did you get into, like, what was your role when you first got into there? And then how did that evolve into where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of knew I always wanted to do social media. Um, I just like loved it, like personally, um, like since I was young, like I got on Facebook, my, my cousin was in college when, um, it was like, you had to be, you know, you had to have a .edu account yeah. or email. And my cousin's like, Oh, this is so cool. Everyone's doing it. Like you need, my friend doesn't want it. You can use her email to sign up. And so I like got on it with a fake one, nice. um, <laughs> early on. And I just was like, I mean, I was totally addicted, obviously, now that we're learning right. <laughs> all of the mental now we impacts, know why. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I kind of just was on that path, like really from the get go. When I got to LMU, I studied marketing. Um, I also did my minor in philosophy ethics. So it was like kind of an wow. interesting duo. Yeah. But um, I took like all the internships I could in social media and I like managed the, um, like our school's fitness center um, social media through college. And then I went straight into my first role with like a community manager at an agency, Sweet. um, working on some tech accounts. So, so as yeah, a, that as was a, kind of, as a community manager for a bigger company like that, what's the, what does the day to day look like? Honestly, it's like pretty boring. Um, like the big corporate accounts, there's just like so much legal stuff and like they have to be so careful what they say and you have to run everything through the regulations team. Um, so we just had canned responses. Like I couldn't really have a lot of personality. And so, uh, that was really it. It was just like a lot of like maintenance and like responding to canned responses and like really fielding a lot of more customer service. Yeah. Um, I also worked on a food account at that place though, which was like way more fun. And we got to do like a lot more just like creative things. And we would go, it was like a fast, uh, what's it called? Fast casual food chain nice. in Southern California. That's like a Mexican restaurant. So that was awesome. Cause we got to go like every other week and shoot a bunch of content and just like eat delicious Mexican food. Oh, that's sweet. Um, so <laughs> that was a good one. Um, but then when I, when I transitioned into the more recent role, I came in as like a social media account manager and, and there, that was really cool. We worked with a lot of, um, like early, like, um, not like totally startup, but like they're into their seeding round or their, what's it called when you're like growing your, yeah, they're investing rounds, yeah, they're seed yeah, rounds. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. all like in yeah, like all the people that are like kind of going through that primarily in CPG and beauty. Uh so I got like a really uh quick lesson in just like what that world looks like, just cool. like that like kind of entrepreneurship and like a lot of my direct contacts were, you know, either the founders or somebody that came in really early to the company. So yeah. that was an interesting transition because like now you're dealing with somebody's baby, like literally. Yeah. And um, you know, you have to kind of match that level of dedication for them to feel like they're going to trust you. So that was just like, even though it was a remote role, I was just working around the clock. Um, yeah. I mean, I was fully managing seven to 10 accounts at any given time wow. and it was pretty gnarly. So I, I literally ended up quitting there just because I, I got totally burnt out. Yeah. And um, the, the more people I talk to in this field that we both try and navigate, the more people I hear 
telling that story where they get they get yeah. burnt out, especially in a corporate environment. They get burnt out just because it becomes very monotonous. Everything is very segmented in terms of across all personnel that are working on the accounts. And so you end up in a position where you're like, dude, this is this is grueling because what it essentially creates yeah. in a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of environments is you're basically a digital call center. Um, oh, exactly. As, especially in community management where you are just sitting there in, you know, taking in whatever comes, whatever comments, whatever DMs, et cetera. And like you were talking about, you do just have canned responses that you have to stick to because they've been approved by legal teams and et cetera. Yeah. And well, and then you're also like naturally a lot of the biggest like trending days on social media are also going to like coincide with holidays yeah. or like, for example, I worked on like a beef jerky company. And so the, like the, the Super Bowl was huge for them. And so like now you're working all the days that, you know, all your friends are getting to enjoy and <laughs> drink and hang out. And I'm just like, Oh no, I have to be like on Twitter and <laughs> paying yeah. attention and we're running the campaign. And so, um, that kind of stuck too. And so it's like a 24 hour, just like, how did you, uh, actually, before I go there, I was going to say something that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast recently has been how certain aspects of this job are, 24 7 and certain aspects kind of are not um or shouldn't shouldn't be rather how do you kind of balance that on off switch in terms of you know when you have to put the phone down and you want to spend time with your husband or hit the beach or etc how do you kind of balance that and that's something that i struggle with a lot so i know i'm asking for myself as well i totally struggle with it and i don't know if i'll ever like have that (laughs) no kelly you're not giving me hope here (laughs) Um, I will tell you something that was game changer for me recently. Um, back in December, yeah, like December, uh, early January, I got a second phone. And so Mm. I put all of my, well, you know, Instagram only lets you have five accounts anyway. And so I do have some work accounts on my quote unquote personal phone, Mm -hmm. but I put like my, you know, my more heavy lifting and (laughs) needy, uh, clients on the work phone and that <laughs> I won't became, make you point out it, which ones are needy. That's okay. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, that like literally night and day just by like when I go out to dinner, I don't, I don't bring my work phone now. Like that stays my, you know, all my clients know my office hours. Um, if it's after hours, office hours, I won't have my work phone. And then that stays there. And the other thing was kind of just a mindset shift of, um, you know, even if someone sends you something, and this is less on their actual social accounts, I guess more in client management. Yeah. But a lot of times people are just like sending you something to get it off their checklist and to-do list. And yes. like, you don't have to respond right away. Yep. And like, that was something I really just had to like kind of mature into and like switch my mind- mindset and be like, okay, this will be fine if I respond in the morning. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of like a combination of just like figuring out what like tools, like literally physical tools work best yeah. and like, really just having to like coach yourself every day. I like the thought of two phones. I like that a lot. Um, I, I did when I, before I, my first job actually out of college, um, I was in sales as everybody is. And I, uh, I had two phones (laughs) for that job and I loved it for that reason. Just because my work emails were all over there. I couldn't be reached if I wasn't on the clock. Um, 
And uh, again, that's, that's also a job that wasn't as 24-7 as social media can tend to be. So I, right. I think that's something I'll definitely think about going forward. That sounds really, really beneficial. Um, but the, yeah, the no, mindset switch awesome. the mindset switch has definitely been been a struggle for me over the years of like just when do you when do you shut that off um, especially when at any given point a notification could pop up on your phone and say hey this is whatever and do you have to deal with it at that moment or, or can you right. can you push it off so good to know that you're in the boat with me and uh, good to yeah, know that there is absolutely. some light at the end of the tunnel but no, um, my husband gets gets definitely annoyed sometimes because it's so easy to be like no it's for work yes. or like I'll t- I'm totally guilty of like actually being at my personal and being like sorry I'm dealing with something wrong <laughs> well I hope he's not a podcast <laughs> listener then um, uh, I hope not either <laughs> well and at the same time like you know just because you get on it for work doesn't mean you stay on it for work that's something that I'll, right. I'll definitely get that, to or, oh. or you go down a wormhole for work and you end up justifying yep. it of like well it's work yeah but did you really need yeah. to be looking at all those other accounts at the same time exactly yeah. do you have your um screen time report turned on i do but i try not to look at them yeah because <laughs> i know they're I absurd i mean i i know the last time yeah. i checked it was eight hours of screen time a day yeah mine was yep that was mine and i ended up turning mine off because i was like this isn't healthy <laughs> to like it's disgusting be... yeah it's so bad um, um and, and it's, it it's... makes it really difficult to say like what was so imperative to my job and what was just like mindless, yeah. like what you mentioned, like just getting down the wormhole. So yeah. And it's been bad for my eyes. My eyes have gotten worse oh. over the last two years. I've oh my had to God. up my prescription Wait. and everything. Wait, that is so crazy. You say that because I've literally just had to get glasses and I, I had better <laughs> than perfect vision my entire life. And then I went home to the States. I don't really, we don't have cars here. I don't, I don't drive here. Yeah. And I went home to the States and was driving and I was like, I can't read the sign yeah, man. on the on the freeway. <laughs> and I went to the thing and she's like, Oh, you're like four lines past what's legal to drive without a oh my god! I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah that, that's a hundred percent it. I can I can absolutely uh trace it back to when I started excuse me, when I started really looking at screens more often. Um and Fuck. it's it's just been the last probably three or four years where I've I've really gone gone down the slope it's been tough but i think uh you know it comes with the job i think i, I wonder, guess so. i wonder if you can get it covered i don't know give workers comp for i know right That's a good... seriously um, i know i guess every job has some sort of physical detriment how are your thumbs it, so. are your thumbs okay yeah i don't have any arthritis. my yet. thumbs how are, are right too. mine are good i think they're all right <laughs> Um, I don't have any selfie wrist or anything like that. So that's good. No, me either. At what point when you were at this corporate gig, did you start to think about, you know what? I don't need to be under a corporate umbrella. I could probably do this myself. So I didn't ever really think that. Um, I kind of always thought like doing it on my own wasn't for me. Um, I definitely just liked the idea of having that consistent paycheck and, uh, you know, the benefits, Um, but it really got to the point where I would like call home crying and my mom's like, this is not healthy. You need to, Mm. you need to stop. And so I ended up quitting with really no backup. And my plan was just to get another remote job. And maybe I I was thinking I wanted to move in-house because what was funny was that as we started to work with some bigger brands, I was like, this is crazy. This person has an in-house social media manager, but then they're hiring an agency that's managing. I'm doing all the work and she's just like approving things and like throwing up some stories from live shit. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look for something in-house and go in-house with a company um, that allows remote. And so that's what I was doing. And I was like fully applying to jobs for like probably two and a half months 
And then I mean, I needed some money. So I was working with a couple people just in a freelance basis, just to kind of have some income coming in. And one thing just kind of led to another and I, like people were referring me and I was talking actually with Haley, who you also know, yep. and she was just like, do it, go for it. Like, honestly, it's going to be the best decision ever. She was like totally a catalyst. And she actually referred a couple of her clients. She doesn't do influencer um, management. And that was something I did offer. So some of her social management clients, she would refer to me for influencer and yeah, before I knew it, I kind of had a big enough list where I was like, I guess I can make this my full time. So really just kind of happened organically. And then again, it was me just like deciding like, okay, I guess I'm going to go for it by myself. And so that's what I've done. And it's been pretty cool. And I ha- I've kind of made the decision to scale. Um, and so in February, I brought on my first full-time employee who happens to be my sister. Congrats. Um, and now... She is heading up our entire influencer division. Love so that. I kind of do all social strategy and creative, and then she's doing uh, all the influencers. So, so awesome. It's been and, pretty cool. And Haley, for those listening, uh, I hope to have her on in the coming weeks. She manages some amazing accounts, um, and I, I would love to get her on and just have a conversation about kind of the behind the scenes of that. Um, oh, yeah. And she's like an OG. She has yes. been doing this for so long, and she can like probably timeline you all the crazy algorithm changes through the years because it hits her hard and she's, she's like, she's in the, in the throes of it. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely, she, she makes me laugh with her, uh, I'm like, I'm frustrated type comments. It's hilarious. Yeah. But again, like oh, yeah. you said, man, over the years, that stuff grows, that stuff wears on you. Yeah. Well, she like literally at one point she was promising 5,000 new followers a month with her growth hacking strategy. That's insane. At one point. And obviously that's nowhere near capable to hit any numbers like that yeah. uh, organically anymore. Um, but I think her brother and her, um, like her brother started that sun gazing account and it's like the number one Facebook page. Or yeah. it's they, have the, the top 10. they have the top ranking last time I checked, which I think was just a couple yeah. weeks ago. They have the top ranking Instagram page engagement in the world. Yeah, incredible. Pretty I good. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Um, yeah. And I, then it's just so funny that to know that they have that and like still have no access to anybody at Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Because yeah, I like use that as an example with clients when they're like, you can't just call Instagram. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> no way, man. No way. Um, speaking of, you're talking about organic growth. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the darker side of uh, the shady side of social media. Yes. Obviously, there is a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people do not like to talk about. And one of the goals that I want to achieve here on this podcast is bringing a lot of those topics to light. One of them being automation. Um, there's a yep. lot of automation software out there. There's a lot of uh, cheap options on online that you could find. I'm sure a lot of people, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have been targeted with some swipe up ads on Instagram as well um, for that type of stuff where they're promising growth. They're automating stuff so it works so you don't have to, etc. Um, <laughs> exactly. Do you have any experience with, with automation software or anything along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. I mean – so we're doing everything manually for our clients. Yeah. And however, I'm never going to like frown upon some sort of computer that can do something better for me. Um, and, you know, give me my time back in that way. So 
anytime I hear of a new one or see people posting or get targeted these ads, um, I'm trialing them. And I use our actual like agency account, the Make Waves Instagram, as just like our total test account. Um, I'm trialing different automation softwares as well as just like giveaway strategies and, you know, various like, you know, little hacks and hashtag situations and everything. So, um, that's totally our test, test account. And some have worked. Um, my experiences will work pretty good for a little bit of time and then it'll really plateau and it, and it just doesn't make it worth it anymore. Um, in the last, I would say like three to four months I've started like things were getting flagged. Um, I yep. got the pop-up that like Instagram could see that I was using automation. And then I literally went to go cancel the automation software and they literally had a pop-up saying like, if you got this pop-up, don't worry. We're not actually <laughs> like, and I'm like, wait, this is so sketchy. And so obviously I like went through with canceling. So at this point there's no um, automation running on the account, but Unfortunately, I never really found one that did the job as well as a, a human. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think it's in, one of those in things, a long term. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think it's one of those things where it's an ongoing battle. I think, uh, and again, I'll echo exactly what you said. I use my own my own platform. Uh, I'm sorry, my own profiles to test everything. Like that's my testing ground for sure. Because um, again, even though yes, all of my clients are organic. Uh, I think all that automation stuff is interesting to play with if only just to see what's going on. Um, Sure. Well, it makes sense too. Like if you can, especially because a lot of the stuff you're fielding, okay, of course, you know, it's really about community building and creating those connections um, on behalf of a brand and and their customers and advocates. Like, of course, that's the most important, but there's a lot of things coming through social that are very customer service oriented and, so it would be so nice if there was a way to kind of differentiate those conversations happening. And mm. like, I mean, I can't tell you how many responses and, and, and obviously Instagram knows this is the case because they offered, you know, the saved responses in DMS is now yes. a feature that came out, I don't know, last year, I guess, yep. middle of last year. And that, I mean, that's been awesome for me that that really helped kind of, I mean, before that I just had a saved in my notes and would copy yeah. and paste a lot, <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense. Like if you can have a bot that can respond to that. And I guess that's kind of what's happening with the Facebook bots. Um, but those are just two, I don't know. Those feel like when you're on the phone, just trying to get to a representative, you know, like that's yeah. kind of what I feel like the Facebook, Facebook bots feel like to it's me. Tough, but, man. It's uh, so tough. And especially because um, one, I think there's a, right way to use automation and a wrong way to use it. I think the wrong way is the way that most people use it, unfortunately, where they just view it as a growth hacking tool and they send it out to leave, leave comments and likes and follows and unfollows and saves. Oh yeah. And then you're like putting hearts on somebody whose dog just passed away. It's like, yes, (laughs) you look like shit. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but, but then there's a right way to use it, which is, for stuff like you're talking about, where it's going to save you time, it's going to streamline things for you, it's going to free you up to put time into other things on the account. Um, and if you look right. across other industries, they do that everywhere. The only diff- the only thing that makes the social media, uh, or I guess I'll use the title of the podcast, The Socialscape, um, <laughs> look different than other industries is because there's a terms and service that's attached to it. And obviously, Absolutely. Instagram specific. Uh, their terms and service say that we don't like that type of stuff. But it's actually funny Absolutely. if you read the actual terms of service, it talks about you're not allowed to – I forget how it's exactly phrased, but it talks about you're not allowed to use other types 
of unethical services to gather following. Um, so really? It, yeah, it's really interestingly written, and I'm not doing a good job of quoting it right, um, but it's very interestingly written to the point where I look at things like engagement groups, and I say there's no, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's real people. It's real accounts. You're putting in real engagement. Of course. Um, yeah. It's, it's a strategy that I think completely complies with all terms of services. Absolutely. What do you think about that engagement group stuff? Yeah, I think that applies. I I would never classify that as uh, inauthentic or, you know, a hack. I think it's more or less just like a, the community figured out a way to collectively help it, help each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, I And yeah, I've been in a few. I've actually had some clients in some too, and they seem to be pretty effective. I feel like it really depends on who's in your group. And if you can get mm. a good quality group of people who are like willing to put in the time to like actually read your caption and respond authentically, it works. Yeah. Um, it gets a little annoying if people get lazy and just like put a couple emojis because now it just looks like something from automation, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I think too, I've it's important some... to know that like there's a, it's important to know what you're, you're getting out of it. Like it's, I think it should right. be used as one, a networking tool. That's how I love it. Right. Um, I, I have met some cool people in engagement groups over the years. I think it's a cool way to network with people, find new accounts to follow, et cetera. Um, but also just to understand that those people are probably not going to be, if you're a business or a brand trying to sell anything, they're not going to be the people who are going to convert into customers. Right. Um, they're just going to exactly. help you gain engagement to then boost you on people's feeds going forward to help you get in front of people who will then be able to convert in the customers. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think that's a very, that's a really good point that you're making. Um, because I get, you get that question all the time from clients or potential clients that are like, well, we don't understand. We're getting, you know, 15 to, you know, 30 comments on a photo, but like nobody's buying the product. And it's just like, okay, well, who are those comments coming from? And that's actually, I, I would love to hear your opinion on this because um, I've been, it's really interesting. I have like a, I, I don't know why, but I, I kind of had a, a reservation to hashtag blocks, but it was like never something I really got on board with. Um, I understand they're like, you know, quote unquote, the SEO of Instagram and I like see their benefits. Um, however, I'm like, it's, it feels just like they're so in your face. Like the user sees everything, um, you know, whereas SEO on a website, everything's like hidden. You, you don't see like right. all those tags that are like coming at you when you hit, land a webpage. And then a lot of times, um, I was experiencing what felt like just like super inauthentic engagement based off the hashtags because somebody had plugged that hashtag into their automation software and that's what was, you know getting the traction yeah now as of recently i had one post literally like just it went not viral but like through the hashtags it, it totally skyrocketed and i was like wait what's happening and i've just now completely had a change of heart and i'm gonna start utilizing them because um i think it is really important i guess and this is what people always say but it's really identifying the exact ones that are going to align well and not you know kind of seeding out the rift draft and if you do get that automation stuff as a result like figuring out which hashtag it came from and testing and removing and yeah well, so, and even in that there's also like you got to keep in mind the algorithm changes that take place so like i've i've i first of all i freaking love hashtags i think they oh, are this is amazing one of the most underutilized things on social media today, yes, I will use all 30, um, 
regardless of who says they don't work in 2019, regardless of who says if you use all 30, then you get shadow banned, regardless of who says if you use all 30, then it just, uh, you get marked as a spam account. You don't. And I can tell you that because on my personal page, I use them on every single post. And if you go look at all my posts, they've been there for the last four years. Um, I use them on all of my clients and I have seen numbers. I've achieved numbers through hashtag reach that are outperforming some paid reach. Um, what? Like I, I will increase impressions on a post through just hashtags alone from anywhere, anywhere from like 40% to 75% and sometimes upwards of 80 to 90% Holy shit. reach through yeah. hashtags. And so, that, that comes from what you're talking about, which is just the, the same way you do SEO optimi- uh, optimization. You do hashtag optimization. It's you pick okay. some, you run with them, you see how it works, and then you shuffle them in and out. Um, I, I, I preach hashtag strategy to everybody that I speak to just because it's something that I feel no one really talks about or appreciates. Um, and it's free, man. It just comes down to just yeah. spend the time to optimize that list and then go. That's the thing. The do thing is people do... don't want to test and learn. That's what it comes down to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you do first, com- like in your caption or first comment or does it matter? I'm a first comment guy. Um, just cause okay. I feel like it gets out of the way. Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't think it helps algorithm wise to put it in the comment. Like some people have said where it's like, Oh, if you put it in, it counts as a comment as well. I don't think so. I think Instagram is smart enough to know that when you caption on, or when you comment on your own f- post, it doesn't count as a comment. Um, yeah, they're smart enough great. to do other stuff. So I would assume they know how to identify that. Um, but sure. yeah, I, I just put it in the comment just to get it out of the way. Um, yeah, I think it, it's ugly, like you were saying, and uh, just putting it in a in a comment kind of hides it a little bit more. Um, but that said, I've seen it perform both ways. I've seen I've seen equal performance in a caption. I've seen equal performance in a comment. So I don't think it really matters. I just like to hide. Them. Right. But that said, I did see some leaked reports last year. Um, if you don't follow Jane Wong on Twitter, you need to. She is freaking. Oh. I followed her through you. (laughs) Sweet. She's amazing. She leaked something last year that was basically saying uh, that Instagram was testing a hidden hashtag list, which would allow you to... Oh, see, that's amazing. That's what I want. Yeah, they need to do it. It makes sense. Um, Because, yeah, it's like it makes sense if it's literally like functioning as SEO, then why does it have to be in everyone's face like that? Right. And I I think the argument from them to why they wouldn't do it may be because if they're out in the open, people can click them and then that leads them down a rabbit hole to stay on it. So that's fine. But I, I think it would be nice to put it in a hidden a little hidden box the same way that comments are. Like you have to tap to see the rest of the comments. Hide the hashtags the same way. Still let people see them oh, if they yeah. want to. And like tap to tap to see. Yeah, yeah but that's tuck them great... away. They're they're annoying. You need to get in on some Instagram think tank. Look, if you, you or great. anybody has a connection to Instagram, <laughs> let me know because I would love to get in the door. Um, yeah. But that said, that was allegedly in testing last year where they, they were testing when you go to create your post, you write your caption on it, and then you also have a space to add in your hashtags that'll be hidden from uh, from the audience. So I, I think that could be really cool if they bring it out. I'd love to see it. But yeah. But that said, idea. to end my hashtag rant, use hashtags, <laughs> use all 30, practice them, uh, play with them, see what works. Yeah, man, I, I love hashtag blocks. Amazing. You've re-inspired me. <laughs> well, and I'll use the same list over and over again, too. That doesn't change anything. Yeah. 
no, for sure. I, I actually recently with one client, um, kind of like hit a gold mine with this specific list mm-hmm. and I tried a different list that had some overlap and it just didn't do as well. And I went back to the next one and it seems like irrelevant of what the post is. It, it's really working. So yeah. it's amazing. Um, man. When you, when you really get it, you start looking at numbers and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, like sure. She doesn't even have 10,000 followers, but then her most recent video has 11,000 views. Yeah. With, I mean, it's just like, wait, I have to pull this up because it it was crazy to me. Yeah, 89% weren't following us. Bananas. So there was 30,000 impressions and 150 new follows. That's ridiculous. I know. And I'm like, wait, I need this for all my accounts. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of just a lot of testing. That's what it comes it down is. to. Yeah, and, and there's some tools out there. Um, one One called Social Info, I believe it's called. Um, this YouTube dude named Anthony Groper, uh, talks about it and he, I actually think he might be involved with it and that's why he plugs this often. But that said, it's something that I've, I've bought in the past just to test it out. Um, and it does a lot of the research behind the scenes where it takes your average engagement rate and compares it based on a few sample hashtags that you provide to see what you would rank for. So it does a lot of the testing for you. Um, but oh, cool. at the same time, you still gotta, you still gotta play the game and see what it performs as right. I, I can't attest Absolutely. to how accurate that thing is going forward. But, um, but yeah, it's a lot of time, cool. but it works. Good to know. So Please. make, go ahead. Are you gonna say something? Oh no. Oh, no, cool. So good. make wave social is your yes. social media company. Um, are you taking clients in all industries? Do you get niche with it? Where are you at? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, in the beginning, I was kind of across all industries. It kind of uh, aligned itself. There was like a through line of wellness. Um, you know, I think that just largely comes from most of the clients came through referrals. And that's just kind of my own personal space and, and that of my friends. And so um, now, however, I've been really interested in niching down into cannabis, mm. um, just given the new landscape of it in the u.s and its growth potential um also it's just really interesting well you know with cbd and the regulations being listed um and that now being allowed to be sold online and everything and so um yeah i've been moving towards that which has been really cool so i have a cbd oil client i have another client that does um kind of cannabis education uh myth busting and just like informing people of uh kind of how we got to where we're at in the U.S. uh, That is with um, all the regulations around cannabis and then um, hopefully acquiring a new client shortly that is also a CBD and um, also has like a dispensary too. However, they're kind of segmented separately. So that's really what I'm trying to move into. Um, That being said, we do have a couple clients in CPG um, a juice brand, a snack company. Sweet. So yeah, kind of across the board. Do you like that you get to kind of get into different industries and everything like that? Yes. I think that that's been kind of night and day from my roles at the agencies I've had where you kind of get like stuck into a specific industry and it's just like really the same thing, just repurposed in different ways for each brand. Um, so it's been really cool and it's been cool working. I work with a couple of personal brands and, um, you know, product based brands, which has been awesome. Um, the personal brands are really cool and it's like a, it, it's, it's fun to kind of help somebody 
as, you know, just like get clear, more clear on their own voice and like figuring out how they want to present to everybody. So that's been awesome. Do you have any, uh, do you have any accounts that you like wish you could run like any dream accounts where you're like, dang, man, I wish I could get my hands on that. Oh man. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. I love, well, okay. Recess. Do you know the CBD sparkling soda? Okay. Sparkling water. I don't, but cool. Um, That's why I asked. Cause I want to um, be put on to stuff like this. I love it. Yeah. Oh, you need to check it out. I mean, when they first launch, I mean, the content's still amazing. Um, it's like a very specific style. So, um, it's, you know, now I'm just used to the style, but when it first came out, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. Um, like how are they coming up with all these ideas? Everything's original. Um, very little lifestyle photography. It's almost all done digitally, like with graphics. Uh, yeah, but they keep it like really interesting. The captions, they, it's very out of the box thinking, um, in how they tie it back to the brand, which is just like really fun to see. Um, and then, uh, I'm really enjoying lately a lot of the accounts that can really align with just what's happening in pop culture and like can get, can like, you know, authentically post the memes, like well, <laughs> the recent, what was the recent one where you can like, uh, I saw a bunch of them doing it for like their skincare routine. And it was like the women from, uh, big little Lies, And then like, you would put like serum toner, moisturizer but like you could do it with anything oh, have you I seen those i didn't you, like, see it no but i might not be in that space so i may <laughs> i may not see those yeah on my no feet. i think you'll i think you'll know what the content type i'm talking about is okay. um but i'll send it to you later but like i don't know i just love when brands can like find a way to authentically join what's happening in pop culture like i really hate it when you see people just like forcing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my, my exactly. brother sent me an example this week. I think it was uh, I think it was a Michelob Ultra tweet, and it was it was terrible, man. It said like, you know, the tweets that are like, no one colon yes, blank, yes, and then yes. us, and then whatever they say. It was something like that, and they just did such a poor job. <laughs> like it yeah. was it was so ridiculous that I he like, sent it to me and he was like, this is really bad. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and people know that we've talked about that on the podcast as well with my buddy Brad who's up in Boston who does digital marketing and uh we were talking about how like people know. We've seen so much content just as humanity over the last decade or two that like we right. we know when you're faking the funk. Right. It's painful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh, that um, no- that said, do you we talked the other day on I think we were DMing about it. Do you think IG marketing is dead? Absolutely not. Like, I couldn't have agreed with your post that you shared uh, the day following our conversation more because, of course, it's not dead. Um, And I love the contradiction you pulled out from that article about how they're saying it's dead. However, like, ad revenue was up 30%. Literally the first two sentences. The first sentence said, (laughs) IG marketing is dead. And then it said... IG marketing ad revenue is up 30% from 6.1 billion to 9 billion in 2019. Yes. So what, I know. where it's are crazy. we getting? <laughs> where is that coming I think, from? I feel like the writer poorly phrased what they, the point they were trying to get across and I think maybe that what they were trying to say is that maybe the impact mm. of IG marketing is now less. Yeah. But in no ways is it dead and all of that that 
like all that that means and and you know what like there's some credibility to that but that's really just like like what you said we see so much content as consumers we're just getting smarter yeah. but that doesn't mean it's dead it just means that as brands you have to get more creative like yeah. meet your consumers where they are give them the credit that they deserve um you know and that's that's another thing too and and you know when you're working with brands obviously you have to be careful um just like with you know how you're representing them and what you're saying but um, with how, and this will actually get into the movie too, yeah. with how much, um, our personal data crosses over with, or not personal data, personal consumption crosses over with just like advertising and, and the consumption of, of brands promoting, um, the lines are just really blurred. And so it is like interesting when you log on and there's you know some horrific tragedy like a mass shooting and your entire feed is filled with that yeah and then like as a brand like do we move forward with our normal post today like do we mm. speak to this do we is it like something that we feel like we need to address yeah um you know there's a lot there that um is really interesting and i think it's really important for brands to have a clear um like opinion about how they're going to address things like that because it's inevitable like that's happening on the feeds every single day and so um you know you don't want to find yourself in the position of of having no idea like how you're going to react or for example even just on 9-11 like i've had some accounts that want to do a tribute and some that don't post at all um and some that just don't really acknowledge and they do something else yeah it's and i I think i think it's just i think it's just one of those have a feel things you know it and it's tough obviously being a being a contracted employee, obviously, you're not always privy to the complete culture of the the office exactly. and everything like that because you're on the outside. Especially you being so, you know, you're thousands of miles away from some clients. So it's you know, <laughs> exactly. it's one of those things where you really just have to, I think, as a as the social media person, just talk to, I don't know, talk to whoever the decision maker is and try and feel where they're at. But I but I think that uh, I don't know. I th- back to the IG marketing dying thing. I think that it's really interesting to watch people say, we said TV was dead, right? When social media happened right. and people still pay a lot of money for those ads. And then now we're saying IG marketing is dead, but now all of a sudden people are wanting to pay for pre-roll and read ads on podcasts because they're just getting hip to, oh, wow, there's a big audience there. And those are the same read ads that we did on radio 50 60 years ago so it's it's like nothing right. ev- nothing ever dies i don't i don't think no. anything ever dies as long as people are watching it um sure and i know i'm, I'm it just gets like reinvented track, and repurposed that's it and, and... If, if there's like i said in the post if there's people there there's gonna be advertising opportunities and if you're somebody Absolutely. who can put them in place effectively then cool do it especially if like you were saying getting involved with the culture of the brand you can do it efficiently and seamlessly and the key authentically absolutely and i mean there's even an opportunity and we've seen this now um kind of riding the backs of influencers however it even came from like um blogging and and brand side too in that like if you have a community and you have people that are receptive and having a conversation with you on the daily you can like totally create a brand i mean something maybe is an excellent example of that in that she now has a Nordstrom collaboration where she had a million in sales in the first day that it launched, which is like more than any other designer they've ever had at Nordstrom, which is just insane to wow. think about. And that's strictly from her just posting her outfit, you know? Yeah. And then she built her own line. 
Um, but then like uh, Glossier, the makeup company, yep. their founder did that in more. I mean, she had her own beauty blog and it was less of like her as a person and kind of just like her interested in the beauty space. And they've built, I mean, a lot of their products come directly from the consumer's ideas. They yes. have this like in like, you know, their inner circle where it's literally a two-way communication and they have just the most loyal customers because of that and so that's always going to be there because the conversations like you know it's a platform to have conversation so whether or not you know in the sense that we've been seeing ads now um remains it's the conversation's never going to go away and like that community aspect is there for brands to really capitalize on and join and you know instigate and catalyze and it's like up to them to find where their consumers are and like get them excited to talk. I love it. I think it's super fascinating, especially the the finding where your consumers are. That's something that I it's something I tell my clients that I specialize in in terms of just being able to identify and locate your target audience. But uh, there's so much data out there, and this will be a perfect segue into the movie. Uh, there's <laughs> so much data out there that can help you to locate and target. Uh, more effectively, more efficiently through social media. Um, and a great example of that is this documentary on Netflix called The Great Hack. Um, the gist of it is basically a company called Cambridge Analytica created a survey, uh, teamed up with some psychologists where they create, they were, let me start again. They were able to gather personal data to create profiles on voters in the United States and then take that and turn it into, okay, how do we create uh, this content to best sway their votes? Um, you think I you think I summed that up pretty yeah. well? Yeah, <laughs> you nailed it. Um, nailed it. And so the entire documentary, and I'd encourage everybody to, to watch it uh, maybe twice or three times because it's that fascinating, talks about how yeah. they were able to influence the last election that we had here in the United States, but also upwards of like 20 elections around the world, which was the most shocking yeah. part to me. I, I had no idea Agreed. that they had that type of influence worldwide. I mean, they're, they're undefeated to my knowledge. How, yep. how do you feel about their ability to, or even, I don't know, the ethics or the legality of it for them to be able to collect data on people through Facebook um, and then target content at them running, you know, leveraging against that data? So I probably have a little bit of a controversial opinion Do it. in that <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's unethical for our data to be used to curate our online experience because ultimately that's what it's doing, right? Like yep. it's like looking at everything you've done and trying to give you the most personalized experience ever, whether that's through like literally I'm seeing shoe ads right now of like these heels that I want to buy or <laughs> um, who I'm going to vote for in the next election. However, I do. And this is where a lot of people messed up. And I mean, this is really why we're at where we are in the current space, but um, there needs to be a layer of, there needs to be a layer pulled back and there needs to be some transparency in that the consumer or the user of Facebook can understand what data is being collected and how, and like, and, and once you understand, okay, this is how they've like pinged me, you're like more well-informed and you're more self-aware. And then you have like, you can more critically review the ad. Yes. Um, I love that. 
And I think that that's really the key here. And that was like really the driving plot line of the great hack was with the guy trying to get his data back, right? From Cambridge Analytica. Yes. He wanted to see the 5,000 data points that they had on him. And I like completely agree. I think that we should have an understanding of what what data of ours is being collected. I noticed, um, I and, noticed something the other day along those lines, which was I play this game every night on my phone. It's just a puzzle game where you just connect dots and uh, it helps me fall asleep. And so I'm playing this game and obviously between levels, they cash in on some ad revenue and they show me a quick little, you know, five or 30 second ad in the very bottom left hand corner of that ad. I can click a little button that I noticed has popped up over the last couple of weeks that says, uh, view your ad profile data or something like that. And you click it and it says you're seeing this ad because of you're between these ages. You live in the United States and you have seen two other, uh, you've downloaded two other apps similar to this one or something like that. Like it gives you like five to seven bullet points. Um, and I'm assuming that's probably because Facebook has had to make changes to combat the entire lawsuit that Absolutely. that happened. And uh, well, I'm, I'm seeing those ads. Most people don't understand. You see ads on games because it's Facebook's audience network that you're able to target right. through. I don't Which think people crazy. understand that. Yeah. Um, no, they don't. They have no idea. I take it for granted because obviously that's just what we live every day in, in social media. Right. Um, but so that's a new thing that I, I think they're doing where you are able to see some bullet points for your data profile and there is an option there where you can click to see more info i haven't done it because i just don't care and we'll get to that but uh right but that's something Um, and you can do that on yeah and you can do that on your own facebook you can go to your preferences and uh i think i don't know the exact like uh, it's a long list to get there but there's yeah there's like an ad preference and you can see and you can remove stuff like you can say like you know like i was pinged as liberal or whatever and like you can like adjust that um, which is cool to see that they're making those changes. Here's something that really did just genuinely like make me angry, uh, <laughs> with Facebook themselves was like allowing these third party apps to host, you know, or to, you know, have quizzes or, um, you know, plugins on their site. And then as a user agreeing to terms of service there that you have no idea. Nobody's reading those. They know nobody's reading those. And I really feel like it is the responsibility of Facebook in a way to like, either they need to have stricter regulations of like what terms of service these third party apps can are allowed to have, or they need to somehow do like a better job of making those terms of service visible to you which in the great hack was that even if you didn't do a quiz and your friend took the quiz they were granted access to your entire friends list and all their data yes so it's i mean and that's just like the i mean that in and of itself is unethical like that act and so it's like whose responsibility is it to not let that happen you know and I, I do think that that responsibility falls on facebook because they're the ones ultimately allowing these third parties to be there and then collect the data. So I do I, think I it's, couldn't it's agree like, more. I, th- I think the biggest, yeah. I think honestly, and I'll side with you on your controversial opinion. I think that <laughs> this, uh, I think that the only real problems that happened here was one. And if, again, if you watch this, it makes more sense. Um, one, Facebook didn't really go through their terms of service for that 
for that application that they ran to gather that data because clearly they would never they would never allow something if they had reddit that would allow them to take right. data from people who were not consenting to it so that's right. that's number 1 the number 2 is when they were told to delete the data and they didn't delete the data right they kept and it. where is facebook's follow up to see to ensure that something as valuable as you know hundreds of thousands of people's personal data is actually being deleted. Yeah. Yeah. I, like they had to, they had to have known, like if there's no follow-up, of course, but like just business sense, they're, they're like, this is the most valuable stuff in the world right now. Like yeah. literally it's, it's surpassed oil in value. Isn't I couldn't that believe that. Documentary? When, yeah. When she said that, yeah. I was like, holy shit, man, we're there. That's this where we are. The most valuable commodity right now. So I that mean, said, do you think that people should be able to monetize their own personal data? What if I want to sell my data profile, which would be, I, I do a certain survey and then I send it into whatever, I don't know, to whatever uh, marketing company wants it, yeah. whatever other Cambridge Analytica lookalike wants it. Can I sell that to them, excuse me, for 10 grand? Because I think it's worth far more than that. And then can yeah, I, and then can I, I get an affiliate fee if I can get you to send them yours as well? Like, you know what I mean? That's a, there's a model there if people are okay with giving out their data. And back to what I said earlier that I said we'd touch on, I don't really care. Because at the end of the day, my data yeah. is already out there. This was something we should have Agreed. caught probably 15, 20 years ago. Because Agreed. it's not like Facebook's not the first. I actually, I no. I get very, I think I'm a contrarian. So I kind of side with Facebook just because I hate that everybody throws rocks at them all the time. But right. I, <laughs> I hate that Google isn't being called to the carpet more often. Because Google oh, can absolutely. take every word out of your emails that you send through their platform yep. and use that to market against you. So yep. so why aren't we looking at that type of platform the same way that we look at these social networks? And I think it's because, unfortunately, Zuck has a very punchable face when it comes to legislation. And so they're they're going Absolutely. after him because he's the hoodie-wearing millennial tech guy. And it's like, dude, yep. you guys are missing the boat. You should be going after no. all these people if you're going to go after anybody. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's really, I mean, it doesn't even end with, like our, our web, I mean, it's everywhere. Like literally I called into bank of America the other day, talked to a representative and she asked me my email and my phone number and she did it as if it was account verification. Yes. Like, you know, when you call in and they're yes. asking you to verify your information. And then afterwards, she literally read me this little brief thing. And I'm, I'm meaning to tweet about this to them because I'm like still pissed. Yeah. Um, where she was, it said something like, okay, and you agree to, let us use this information with our partners and affiliates in order to transfer your call. Like literally I had to agree to clean up my email and, and phone number, which I had just verified with her to then be transferred. It was the most bizarre little like quip. And it like totally took me aback. And I'm like, wait, what just happened? Like yeah. I'm on the phone with my bank. Yes. But like, that's true. It's, it's literally everywhere. Like it's not, it's just, it's not just, you know, on, on our social platforms. So I do think you should be able to own your data profile. I do think there needs to be some regulations there. Um, I mean, we were talking a bit before we jumped on about this article that came out in the Times yesterday yeah. about sharenting, and which is a new verb apparently, where parents <laughs> share their kids' lives on social. Um, naturally, your kids are probably not of age to understand and consent that they want those pictures there. And now kids as young as seven are saying like, mom, I didn't, you didn't ask me if you could put this there. I don't want this there. Um, there was a boy who's 18 and he's like, 
I have my shirt off in this photo. Like I'm not comfortable. Like I wasn't even ready for a photo and I'm not comfortable with this scene online. Um, there was like, he made another comment that his mom just not being tech savvy shared a photo where literally his debit card was like in the background and then his debit card got hacked. And so (laughs) exactly. So they're like, you know, it's a very, very, I don't know. We're in like a whole new world. I mean, it's just going to be, it's just going to be very interesting to see the fallout of, of what this sharing was just like, you know, just over sharing of our lives on, on a digital space has like the impact it's going to have. And like, where, where do we get some of those rights? Yeah. Well, how, do those, how does that get regulated? What age can you consent? You yeah. know? And I think it's important too, to know that like you, we are, it is all new territory and you can't apply the old rules to the new school. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't work because it's no. so easy for me to be outside right now at whatever event and I take a video and you're in the background and then mm, you weren't supposed to be there and somebody sees you. And is that my fault? You right. know what I mean? Like if, no, or if I'm just out on a beach and I'm taking oh. a video and you walk by and, and you're at the beach, so you're in a bikini and you didn't want to be online. So now you're there. Right. It's really, right. really interesting. And I don't know how far you can really go with that, like what's realistic. But uh, but I think it is important that we get some people into legislation that actually know what the platforms Understand. are. Like, dude, some of the questions yeah. they were asking Zuckerberg were embarrassing. Oh, my God. Even the one where he's like, so you're a free platform. So how do you make money? It's like, are you serious? Like, did you even read anything prior to? Why do you think we're here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, what I found really interesting was how Brittany wrote questions for a senator. Oh, my gosh. So smart, right? She wrote them while she was in line at the airport security (laughs) check-in. In a, I think she had a bikini top on with a leather jacket and yep. a cowboy hat, and she's yep. writing she's yep. writing questions for a senator to ask. Yep, but good <laughs> on that senator to say I yes. want to come in informed, asking the right questions. Yes. You know, um, I don't remember if they even told us who it was, but I don't think I, they I mean, tell us what the questions were either. Yeah, but you know that's the kind of I mean that's at least a step in the right direction and this person's not going in blind on a situation they don't understand at all. Yeah. Um but I completely agree. And like the other thing is though it's going to be interesting because right now the people that understand it the most are the ones that work in it, right? Like yeah. literally the employees of all of these big tech companies and so it's going to start to get, I mean, I guess that's literally what happens with Brittany is that it gets to the point where she's like, okay, how do I want to be remembered? Right. Like, am I going to go down as this, you know, evil person that helps elect terrible or, you know, whatever, I guess, up to your opinion. <laughs> um, we won't get political <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they sway you elections. Know, very polarizing polarizing leaders around the world. And so that actually brings me back to your point too, where I had no idea that it went beyond our election. Um, However, I was literally having dinner here with some friends uh, that live in our, our complex the other night they are from argentina and they're like oh yeah our that's why we have our current leader is the same thing like they had all of our ads and i was just like oh my god i didn't even think and now brazil's newest leader i mean it's it's pretty crazy that now it's really influenced uh you know a lot of big countries and brexit was the same thing They, they claimed that they didn't work on it but they clearly did 
Um, I think Brittany has more than enough evidence to show that they did. But uh, right. like that is insane, man. That is absolutely yeah. insane. And so that that brought me to I think it's a really interesting question to say, what is the difference between marketing and propaganda? Absolutely. And I, I think in a world where we have so much data to then tailor the content that we show to people specifically for – like people are blown away when you tell them things like, okay, so I know that you live in this area and I know that you definitely like these certain things and I know enough about you just like your age and gender, et cetera, to target use to make sure that you see this ad in the next two weeks. That freaks right. people out. When I tell people that, they say I'm going to delete my Facebook. They never do, but – of course. That's the type of thing they say. And so when you take that into a political field, is that propaganda? Or is I mean, that just I think good the marketing? Lines, I mean, I think the lines start to get really blurred. Yeah. Um, and I think that I I don't I sh I would love to actually I'm going to look up the exact definition of propaganda because because I haven't because I'm irresponsible. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> Um, well, no, I'm just curious if they're information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, exactly, used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. So, yeah, propaganda should be illegal if it is misleading, in intentionally misleading. Yes. Because now you're not giving somebody an informed perspective. And I mean, that's been what this current administration's run on. I mean, currently right now, his his Facebook page has 2,200 ads live yeah um lots using you know rhetoric that people are are saying is is you know in, enticing a lot of uh hate and polarizing situations between people so sure. i think i think it is well I think done it there is by the way you, just, you danced through that very nicely <laughs> No, it's I mean, look, I think I, I retweeted something the other day that showed that the Trump administration for this upcoming election is running something like three and a half million dollars in Facebook ads right now. And I think it's something like over 16,000 pieces of content. And he's blowing everybody else out of the water in in that space. Um, right. And why wouldn't he? It worked once. Yep. No, you know? I completely agree. But, but even like you were talking about being intentionally misleading, like now we're questioning intention again, which which right. played a role in the last election as well with with anything mm -hmm. that went on with Hillary was, well, the intention was this, though. It wasn't whatever. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's very, sure. very murky. No, water. Yeah, of course. And well, we're not going to solve it right here in this episode, but it's no, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, and it's and that's all that's gonna like the only way we're gonna see solutions if is if conversations start happening. Yeah, and people have to be like not afraid to like make mistakes in what they're saying yes. too. Um, I think like you need to just like come to the space, like come to the table and understand that you might not understand it all, and like you're gonna say things that don't make sense or, or I don't know, but. It, it, I mean, it, it really brings up the question that was also in the movie at the very end. I think they kind of closed with it um, with the reporter from the UK. I'm blanking on her name, the blonde woman. Yeah. But she mentioned how, like, will we ever have, like, a free democracy again? Right. And I don't know. Like, if we're going to have, you know, definition propaganda being just viewed at us in our daily scrolls, is it a free democracy anymore? Well, you, I, I don't you know. said the I, magic phrase earlier, which is people are curating our experiences online, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, right. And it's the same. It's the same thing where 
uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has a phrase where he always says, like, look, our, our situation right now is a lot better than when it was six old white guys who curated every commercial you saw on TV. And right. Yeah, it, I think it definitely is better now because it puts it back into the hands of the people. But at the same time, now we're in a position where we see Cambridge Analytica spread out, sprout out, sprout up. And I guarantee you there's a hundred other ones just like them right now who, before that sure. documentary even came out, they said, oh, we can do that. That's not hard at all. Yeah. Um, and if yep. Facebook isn't doing a good job of protecting the, its users, then we are screwed. But that yep. said, back to your point about conversation, and we'll, we'll wrap this up on a nice fluffy note. Um, Perfect. It's why I love social media, because it does give Absolutely. us freedom to converse with each other in an open forum. But if we lose the openness and if we're not if we don't come to the table with a little forgiveness and humility at the start that will allow us to encourage each other, hey, man, you can just kind of sort things out out here. It's OK if you say something that is offensive because you haven't had the chance to think it through yet or Right. is you know isn't pc if if we're just right. shaming people every time we try and have conversations then we'll never get anywhere um and Absolutely. and i think there's a lot of people who are doing a good job of, of that but i think there's a lot of people who are doing a bad job of it as well and unfortunately i think most people and agree more are doing a bad job of it so anyways i think social media is in a good space just because it exists right now we need more of it we need more conversation in this country and i'm so thankful that you came on to have this one <laughs> Thank you for having me. What a it wrap was wonderful. Up, man, huh? <laughs> I know. That was perfect. I'm so impressed. No, dude, I'm I'm psyched you came on. Um this I mean, for Thank the viewers, you. this was our first conversation and uh I'm so happy we had it. I'd love to have you back um after yes, you go absolutely. off into the world There's and do some more damage. So many more things. <laughs> so many more things, right? Absolutely. Just, like man. the list of social never ends. Everything Thank everything's you so always much. changing. So thank you so much for coming on. Um Plug yourself, please. Where can people find you and follow you? Oh, wonderful. You can follow us on Instagram at makewaves.social. And yeah, that's really, that's the main one. <laughs> Hit us up there. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you. Uh, thanks Thank everybody you so for much. listening. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Alex. Thanks for listening to The Social Scape. If you want more, follow me on Instagram at AlexLegosWasTaken. You'll find clips of this episode, other episodes, and more social media-specific content, plus pictures of me and stuff. Thanks again for listening. Now press play on that next episode and enjoy.